On this week's episode of Polk and Kush, you know what we are talking about. So buckle up, everybody. We've got Hurricane Ida. We've got the New Orleans Saints destroying the Green Bay Packers. It's good. It's bad. It's heaven. It's hell. You are going to want to stick around right here. Polk and Kush. Welcome everyone to Polk and Kush. It's September something and 20 something. I don't know what goddamn day it is. I don't know what goddamn week it is. And I don't know what goddamn city I live in anymore. But holy Lord, all I know is we are back. Andrew Polk, how do you do? That's an insane question for anybody <laughs> in New Orleans. That's an offensive <laughs> You know, a lot of times we talk about snowflakes. That's an offense. I'm offended by that question. How am I doing? I'm a man who lives in New Orleans on September whatever day it is, 2021. We are in the pandemic. We are in the hurricane. We are in the throes of Latoya Cantrell. Uh, if you if you haven't been paying attention to the news in New Orleans, there's been a few happenings. Yes. Latoya, our mayor, she's now dressing like the guy from Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> she has white hair. There's like a gas mask on her face. She's driving around town. There's no gas anywhere. <laughs> New Orleans has become Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. And I'm trying to be the bass player swinging off the back <laughs> of that thing. There's uh, garbage has enveloped the Bud Light Lime with Mango studio. <laughs> People talk about the tires in front of the Polk and Kush studio. Yes. They're like, did the hurricane blow them away? No. Did the hurricane blow more tires <laughs> into the tire pile? Yes. Now there's bodies in yeah. there. Th we talked about the Christmas tree out there. At this point, I have two stacks of tires. There was a commemorative 9-11 tire <laughs> pile out there. There were two stacks for 9-11. There's... Nails outside. If you go outside, it's like a room from Saw. <laughs> this is the city that we live in. This is the city that we love. Gumbo, Cajun Nola, Jambalaya. I love this city. Uh, it is a uh, uh, steaming uh, trash pile on top of a gumbo pot. Uh, this is where we're at, baby. Uh, but how are you? Yeah. You evacuated your wife on the front lines. Yeah, we made she it through. She was shooting the rioters as they came up to try and get medicine. <laughs> she was in the hospital uh, for the first week. That was, uh, and through the actual hurricane, that sounded wild. Uh, yes, I was in uh, very snugly and uh, air-conditioned Houston, Texas. Your wife stayed to take care of the sick, the infirm, the That's injured. Right. You went to... Cabo. Yeah, exactly. I took care of a three-year-old and a two-year-old and complained a hundred times more than my wife, who was literally living through a hurricane taking care of dying people. 
With so no- that's where we're at. Okay. <laughs> that's where we're at. But before we get into... Mrs. Kush Hero. Yes. Oh, the, where were you? I went up to Clarksdale, Mississippi, home of the blues. Lovely. I uh, went to Morgan Freeman's Blues Club. Uh-huh. Uh, it was fun because they had they still had COVID shields up around the stage. So it was like <laughs> watching a bunch of old blues gl- guys in a fucking aquarium. It was like the Blues Brothers <laughs> throwing <laughs> bottles at those stage. That was fun for exactly a day and a half. <laughs> was... And then it was like, oh, there's uh, nothing... Nothing really to do here. I see why the blues originated here. You guys only have a wing stop. Uh, there really was the evacuation was like a vacation for about 36 hours. And then it was like, oh, the coverage has started. Oh, the actual hurricane isn't moving. Oh, there's no power in the city. Oh, I don't know what's happening. Nobody can seem to get a report from what's going on. And then it all became very sad. And then it just became very long. And then it was just a long period before you were like, I can't believe how long I have not been able to go home for. This is starting to get legitimately weird. So thanks to Entergy, thanks to Cox for making everything completely unlivable. And then once we all got back here, we realized we probably should have stayed away because they can't pick up our trash. And therefore, we're just swimming in piles of garbage here through another tropical depression. Yeah, the uh, the storm really took a cue from uh, us for the last year. It decided to just sit there and get bigger. <laughs> That's certainly what I did. And then I get home, and it's like, oh, my house smells like somebody's shit in a wig. There's, you can see the Bud Light Lime Mango Studio much better than the original Lime Studio, which I'm sure was destroyed immediately. Yes. And it was made out of popsicle sticks. The little rascals used it as a hangout. But the water just soaked into my couch. My couch saved this neighborhood from flooding. <laughs> my couch absorbed all of the filthy diarrhea water from upstairs. And uh, to clean it out, I Febrezed it a couple times. The good news is we can play tic-tac-toe on Polk's roof right now. The ceiling is just a series of uh, straight-ahead and perpendicular water lines. So I think we're, uh, we'll get some spray paint. We'll play that. That'll be uh, the next contest that we have. If my upstairs neighbor ever does a jumping jack, he's <laughs> falling to his death immediately. Uh, but no, you know, we're all blessed to live here. Uh, we got, I got back, I don't know when the fuck I got back. (laughs) Time is a construct. If you put a gun to my head right now, we're like, what day is it? You know, I'd be like, it's Christmas day, sir. (laughs) I have no fucking idea. It's still hot and it's still a hurricane season. Uh, but let's get to the good news. Good news. Because on Sunday, despite the, uh, the, the flaming dumpster, that is, and really just waterlogged dumpster full of old food uh, that we have surrounding us. For three hours, everyone was maniacally laughing and cackling and joyous and cracking beers open as the Saints just knocked the ever-living crap out of Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers for three hours. It was beautiful football to watch from the Saints' perspective. They did everything everything right it was one of the more shocking games i can remember uh in being a saints fan in a good way uh it is a uh a really perfect 
way to start the season, considering everything that's going on here and considering uh, a lot of the, the dread about this year. For years, we think we've been worried about this exact moment of Drew Brees retires. What the hell does this team look like? Oh, my God, Jameis Winston is the quarterback. This is going to be a disaster. We've got to play the Green Bay Packers in Jacksonville, Florida. And sure enough, everything turns out perfectly. This was this is going to be an episode of gloom and doom. The Saints were a bright spot when you consider what they had to go through. They were practicing in Dallas for a couple weeks mm-hmm. beforehand. You know, some of the players from the area, all of them live here, so everybody is affected in some way. There's extraneous circumstances all over the way. Beyond that, you're replacing a quarterback that's been with the team for let's say two decades. Yeah. This is a away game. And uh, mm-hmm. a lot of the reporters on Fox were saying, like, split fans. It was not split fans no. in the least. No. It was Packer Nation yes. in Jacksonville. You could hear it uh, from, from not just from the visual angle of seeing all those fat, red-faced goons <laughs> with their cheese heads sneaking in their diabetes medicine. They, they snuck in cheese whiz. They're snorted like cocaine. These goons are all over the place in Jacksonville and blending in with most of the regular people in Jacksonville. <laughs> yes. Saints fans delegated to the nether regions of that godforsaken stadium. Yes. Duval. Duval. That's what they yell. Yeah. For the Saints to overcome all of this and put an absolute shellacking on the Packers and for the media to go, well, the Packers are terrible. Uh, that was incredible. Oh, boy. Yeah. But it is what New Orleans needed at the right time. It was an absolute uphill battle, and the Saints kicked ass. It was uh, from the first drive, Jameis Winston tucked and ran twice. That's got to be more yards than the Saints have had rushing from a quarterback not named Taysom Hill ever uh, in this century. Like I mean, literally since Aaron Brooks uh, picked up two first downs in the ground, and then the Saints went to work and bodied green bay i mean they flat out despite eric mccoy going out in the first drive the saints bodied the packers they were physical they pushed them around they went ball control they looked like the freaking wisconsin badgers the way they were playing the game it was the anti sean payton he was so concerned uh about bullying green bay and that's what he wanted to do and it worked the the saints controlled the ball i think for so that's they took a three nothing lead then they came down, and I think it was like a 10-minute drive that ended up with the Juwan Johnson touchdown. And from that point on, it felt like the Saints were in really good shape. And then just when it looked like eh, Aaron Rodgers might be putting something together, a huge interception by Paulson Adebo. And from then, it was a straight-up route, which also included Jameis Winston throwing like a 60-yard bomb. It was all the things that we always kind of bitched about during the Breeze era. The Saints did all, all of them. All of them, right. And I think there was a there was a very specific time and place in that first drive where everybody had their hopes up. Everybody was healthy for three or four plays. <laughs> and then Eric McCoy injured. Yeah. They switch over. If you're going to have an injury on this line, that's the guy to get injured, sure. unfortunately. That yeah. sounds like a shitty... Not, not that he's not really good, but He's yes. very good, but if you're going to have somebody... 
get injured. That's the guy because you've moved over somebody from his position. Yes. They moved Cesar Ruiz over. Mm -hmm. They brought in some guy. His last name was like Ronald Frankenstein. <laughs> Throckmorton, I, I don't say. know. I never is, heard of yeah. him. Yeah. Steven Rick and Morty came in <laughs> and he was there. He was a body. I don't know if he did yeah. anything. But John Cocktoasting. Yes. The Saints were firing on all cylinders. Jameis looked uh, restrained in moments where he should be. He aired it out to Deontay Harris, who uh -huh. broke out of NFL prison to be there. Yeah. How did that work? Marshawn Lattimore played, too. Uh, did they just sneak in? <laughs> Literally, did the NFL just forget about felonies? I Maybe if you're vaccinated, you <laughs> bypass. I... A couple of people text me and they're like, hey, I thought Deontay was suspended. I was like, oh, yeah. Marshawn Lattimore was caught with a stolen gun. Good. He didn't miss a, a play. Well, it fired him up. Yeah. It fi that and the $190 <laughs> million or whatever he got. It was like, yeah, we're going to reward you for your stolen gun with $150 million. Well, as soon as he signed the contract, he started firing into the air <laughs> like Yosemite Sam with those stolen guns. <laughs> Uh, but you saw everything you wanted to from Jameis. He had poise. People kept pointing out, like, well, the most important pass was the one that he didn't throw. Oh, yeah. It's like, I guess. But I didn't get off to that one. I got off to the 55-yarders the and stuff. Like, yeah. I'm glad he didn't throw it blindly into some goobers. But I think also that's probably a little indicative of no one watched Tampa Bay when Jameis was the quarterback. Yes. I'm sure there were plenty of games where Jameis just didn't throw wildly into triple coverage every single game. Yeah. You saw the highlights when he did. Of course. Yeah. But that was a little, like, jerk-off-y, like, cheesy. Of like, course. You know, but they, they have to have those moments, I guess. Uh, Jameis after the game, of course. Uh, what a goober. <laughs> what a lovable goober. You know, he's trying to... he's. You could tell that he picked up the right things from Drew, uh -huh. and he's trying to sound inspirational. He's like, you know, my trainer, my trainer said, uh, yeah, I don't know. He said, <laughs> it's like, he said, be prepared. I was like, well, so did the Lion King. But you know what? He said that in a way that was so endearing because a lot of guys, like, you talk to some fucking chowderhead, like, Jared Goff. Yeah. He's going to say that same thing, but he's not going to show any humanity with it. He's That's gonna, true. You know, my trainer said train every day. <laughs> and he's going to say that. Live like a champion. <laughs> Just go out there and, and win. That's what they told us about going out and winning. They said to go out and win. So we did. <laughs> Paulson uh, Adebo. Yeah, what a revelation. I mean, we were, we've were we spent weeks here lamenting the uh, condition of the Saints secondary. They looked pretty goddamn good. I mean, despite the fact that Aaron Rodgers tried to air it out a couple times, uh, he really hit one big pass. That was it. Uh, and even that was pretty well covered. It was like a perfect ball. Marcus Williams looked great. Uh, he really did. Lattimore played very well when he was in the game. But even when he went out, it wasn't some giant disaster. Uh, the Saints defensive line looked really impressive. They could not. Green Bay didn't really run the ball at all. Uh, and that's without David Onyemata, who was obviously suspended. Demario Davis was great. Like there was so many uh, standout performances up and down the Saints roster. And that, I guess, is what happens in a 38 to three win. Uh, but what I really took away from the game was like Sean Payton is more adaptable than I gave him credit for because we've only seen him basically play with Drew Brees as his starting quarterback. 
for so long, it just felt like he wanted to win by out-throwing you and making his play design seem smarter than yours. And that isn't what he did this game. This game, he rolled up the sleeves, and he said, we're going to run the ball at you, and you're going to, until you stop it, we're not, that's just, we're just going to beat you up. And they did, and it worked incredibly well. It kept Jameis totally balanced. And then when Jameis had to make plays, he did. He climbed the pocket to make nice throws. Like He did all of the stuff that you would have wanted to see him do and didn't do almost any of the stupid crap that you were worried about. So credit to Sean Payton, credit to Jameis Winston. Like I don't know how replicable that performance is now that people have seen that tape, but it is inspiring from a... Uh, the the just the we didn't there were so many unknowns and those unknowns all got answered in a way that I think was very satisfying. Yeah, I agree. And you know, Sean Payton, of course, credit to him, but this was a Dennis Allen victory as much as it was a Sean Payton victory. Sure. This was uh, a bit of an anomaly for the Saints, or at least something that they wouldn't admit to where this was a defensive team winning. There were a lot of points put on the board, but this was a defensive victory through and through. Um, We saw some great signs from Adebo, as we just mentioned. Marcus Davenport, your boy. Yeah, always been, always loved him. Showing signs of life. Should have traded three first-rounders for him. Jesus (laughs) Christ. Pectoral strain in the third quarter. Yeah. Out for quote unquote some time. That'll be that's a while. never good. No, that'll that'll be a while. You ever had a doctor tell you it's some <laughs> cancer? <laughs> How much? Yeah, some. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, the injuries obviously did pile up. Uh, Davenport. We mentioned Eric McCoy as well, and uh, and Marshawn Lattimore. and Marshawn Lattimore, who I, I guess uh, had a. a part of his thumb basically shaved off something like that like they that. taped his thumb mid-game uh, yeah he is now considered week to week with uh, some kind of hand injury i believe yeah. he is getting surgery for that yeah this feels to me like the Sa- i think the saints are minus three in carolina now entering this week this feels to me like the all- the easiest bet of all time to bet against the saints this week everything that could have gone right last week went right now they have a handful of injuries. They have some game tape on them. Jameis didn't make a single mistake. He'll probably make one. I'm not saying I'm going to bet against the Saints because I definitely did bet against them last week when it was 17-0. Uh, but it does feel like they're set up a little bit to, to, for a letdown. Well, uh, things are not as peachy as they seem walking out of a 38-3 win. I would say if there's any hopeful retort to that, it's that the uh, the injury to Eric McCoy happened within five plays. Agreed. That was a uh, an injury they dealt with the game. Marshawn Lattimore probably had something prior to that game. His hand was taped a little bit. They taped it more as the game progressed. Yeah. Uh, Jameis Winston did make a mistake. He got bailed out by a questionable... Bad. We'll call it bad call. I'm going to say questionable. <laughs> it was a bad weak call. Well, yeah, it was a weak call that went the Saints way. Yeah. Uh, maybe they were owed a call or two. That's probably sure. where that came from. But, uh, you know, Jameis is not going to be perfect in week two. Agreed. And that's where... And again, like, I, I'm not saying it's a loss or whatever i'm 
it just feels like they're uh, they're set up a little bit for a letdown. Thirty-eight to three doesn't happen often. It kind of was a perfect game. Aaron Rodgers looked like garbage uh, for a, a very large portion of the game as well. We will see more of what this team is in reality i think this sunday coming up not that carolina is a great team but they obviously have some very talented players coming off a huge win against the jets yeah, exactly like a fourth quarter win against the jets i had no idea sam darnold was the quarterback for carolina this season they have sam darnold and dan arnold okay the darnolds <laughs> <laughs> We all remember Dan Arnold for blowing the NFC Championship game. Um, But, yeah, so Sam Darnold's fine, and uh, I think he can make some plays. Christian McCaffrey is very, very, very good, and he's healthy again. And so it's it's definitely a dangerous game. It's hard to win on the road, and we'll see. Like, I, I, but... Nothing, whatever happens this Sunday, I don't want it to take away from how impressive and how meaningful that win was to open the season. Because even if you stumble and whatever fall apart this week, you're going to get some starters back as the weeks go along. None of these guys are out for the year. And you've seen so much of what this team is capable of now Mm -hmm. that it should give you uh, some heart as you enter the next 15 weeks of the season, next 16 weeks of the season, regardless of what happens on Sunday. And don't forget that this is an already handicapped team. They do not have their best player, Michael Thomas. That's true. You kind of forget he exists. When the Saints fill in the gaps, you forget that this team is missing Andrus Pete. Yeah. They're missing Michael Thomas. Pete played, right? Did Pete I, play? I don't know. Okay. I thought I, Pete played. Maybe he did. Okay. I didn't see. He wasn't supposed to, right? No, I think he was. Well, yeah. <laughs> Either way, they, McCoy was didn't play, so yeah. basically. So, yeah, they were definitely missing guys. They're missing guys. They're missing their best player. So there's, uh, you know, even if there are bumps next week, there's still a lot to look forward to. There hasn't really been a debut by a replacement for a, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer like Drew Brees. What was Cam Newton's first game after Tom Brady? Does anybody know? No. no. Of course not. Yeah. Uh, who replaced Tim Tebow, replaced Peyton Manning? Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> That's true. It's true. Who are we talking about here? This is this is a good this is a good fucking sign for the city of New Orleans, uh, football wise. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I was gonna just say a good sign for New Orleans, like no, no it New has Orleans not, is done no for. Effect. Yeah, it has no effect <laughs> on the city. Uh I mean the only thing that is nice is that the Saints were scheduled to play the next two games on the road anyway. Uh so there's no concern really about them losing another home game. Uh, so they go to Carolina, then I believe to New England, and then come back here for the Giants. And if that game is in the Superdome, as I think is expected to be, I'll be betting my life savings on the Saints against the Giants because that feels like it's going to be the drink of 1,000 beers and get in the Superdome and just lose your damn mind because everything has been a hellhole for the last six weeks of your life. (laughs) And let's just take it out on screaming at Daniel Jones because he wears Dockers and we're just going to yell at him until, you know. He can't uh, face the music anymore. Yeah. And uh, if anything, I think there will be more Saints fans uh, in Carolina this yeah. coming Sunday because the FEMA money's rolling in now. <laughs> We're all going <laughs> to. Everything in vacation. 
everybody's homes have been destroyed. They've been displaced to Carolina more so than like even if your home was destroyed, you wouldn't go to Jacksonville. <laughs> no. I never understood why they did so. They they Jeff Duncan wrote a really informative piece on the Saints' decision making to choose Jacksonville, but ultimately it was like. Why Jacksonville? Well, the blurb there is that Aaron Rodgers has his worst passing record. Yeah. There. But it's not that that in and it of itself is kind of a weird reason because it's not at all conducive to the Saints. No. It's not a dome. No. It's far away. It's annoyingly far away for New Orleans fans to go to. Yeah. I guess there are some rules about it, it has to be played in an NFL stadium. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, Shreveport, Baton Rouge, those would have sure, made Tiger a lot Stadium, of sense. Sure, Tiger Stadium, I think, would have made the most sense. I mean, obviously, it would have been challenging with a game being played there on Saturday night. Uh, Houston, I think, is the was the most logical choice to go to. My guess is that they didn't want to lose the TV slot. The Texans were at home, uh, so that clearly made that difficult. And I think Dallas also, the, where the team is practicing, made a lot of sense. But there was like a big concert at AT and T uh, Stadium at, at Jerry World. So. Yeah, Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> so the 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 problem ended up being in Jacksonville, and I guess there's a lot of. Uh, Wisconsin people who live in Florida and the eastern seaboard. I don't know. Snowbirds, is that what they call them? They I go guess. down there whenever it's... That or they just have a lot of fans. I don't know. They do have a lot of fans. They do. So it was just sort of a strange spot. I mean, even like, I don't know, it feels like Tampa would have been even a better option than that. But hard to say, honestly. I don't know. It ended up working out fine for the Saints. Uh, I am looking forward to whenever they do get back in the Dome. I went to that preseason game, which was a lot of fun, uh, and I am excited to get in there when it is a totally, totally different feeling of importance uh, to have a game back in this city. Whenever the Giants come to the Superdome, the two Uber drivers in New Orleans (laughs) are going to have their hands full. It's going to be... A bloodbath. (laughs) It's going to... Dude, they... uh, could Let's, you imagine if Jazz Fest is supposed to be in like three weeks from now? Get the hurricane buses back from Jonesboro <laughs> and just have them bring people to the game and bring them back. Uh, if Jazz Fest was... Two Rolling Stones would be dead <laughs> if Jazz Fest. Not just Charlie... Charlie Watts. Charlie Wilson? What's his No. <laughs> uh, R.I.P. Charlie Watts. Yeah, the uh, only guy in Rolling Stones that yeah. dressed his age. <laughs> yes, yes. Charlie Watts was the <laughs> shit. Um, I mean, like, the city actually ended up being very lucky that basically everything had gotten canceled in October because they, they can't handle anything right now. So the idea of putting on a Saints game in uh, three weeks, I think, is about the maximum undertaking uh, that this city is capable of at the moment. We will get into all of that, as you can imagine. We've got segments. Uh, we've got the worst. We've got local news coming out the yin-yang. Oh, my goodness. We will be talking a lot uh, more of belly aching. But, hey, let's remember the Saints won 38-3 to in a game they were heavy underdogs. Things are looking very good for the Saints. There's no complaints when it comes to that. So take that for what it's worth and enjoy it. Soak it up. Uh, appreciate that win. And we will talk more about them next week. But please stick around for the rest of Polk and Cush because we got a whole lot more going on. Ale on Oak, ladies and gentlemen, the finest patio bar in all of Uptown. Oh, it doesn't smell like garbage. 
It smells like roses. Ooh. It smells like the smell of sweet hamburgers being grilled up because Ale on Oak is open seven days a week. Yes, they are open. Yes, they have craft beer specials during the Saints, LSU, Monday Night Football. The weather is finally starting to cool down. The rain is starting to subside, and I can't think of a better place to be to ride out the end of days than the, Ale on Oak. The rain is subsiding. The fires are dying down. <laughs> the looting, the bandits, the marauding uh, bands of freaks with uh, fashioned weapons, they're all dying down. And where would you rather spend your time? Now that you're safe and cozy and happy to be alive, than Ale on Oak. After I uh, just poured a dump truck of baking soda on everything I owned... <laughs> I was like, you know what would really wet my whistle? Nine Coors Lights <laughs> yes. at Beautiful Ale on Oak. Or one of the 30 beers they have on draft. Uh, a full menu. And of course, as we mentioned over and over again, hey, if you want to watch the Tulane Ole Miss game on Saturday, if you want to watch the LSU Central Michigan game, and certainly if you want to watch the Saints game, Ale's going to have it on and you don't have to think about it. You it's go, gonna be on. You go to these bars in New Orleans, and you're like, "Hey, do you guys have the Pelicans?" And they're like, "What's that?" Yeah. What are the Pelicans? They're Never like, heard of it. Oh, they're a professional basketball. You go to <laughs> Ale on Oak. They play four miles from here. They have on little league games from yes. Marrero at <laughs> Ale on Oak. You can see your precious baby boy playing. The point is, you go to Ale on Oak. You're not dealing with goobers. And you know what uh, I find uh, most inviting about Ale on Oak these days? What's that? They have employees. That is true. There Lovely, are, wonderful employees. There are people there, and you go there, and they're open. Yeah, and they're like, "Hey, what do you want to drink?" And you tell them, and then they give it to you. This is the the pandemic really started this, and the hurricane. Every business in New Orleans is now Popeyes. You show up. You show up and you are at their mercy. I went to CVS. I walked to CVS at 5:30 yesterday. There's a lady shutting the gate at 5:29. I was like, "Hey, uh, can I come in?" I'd like to buy some stuff, please. And like, "Oh no. no. We we won't be doing that." You go to Ale. They don't even have a lock on the door. Yeah, they're just like, come on in, friend. Come on in. You need to use our charger. Use a charger. Use our electricity. They have internet because they don't have cocks, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) No matter how you slice it, Ale on Oak, uh, our favorite bar, without a doubt. So please enjoy some time there this weekend. Lots of football going on. The weather will be certainly better than it's been. Mm -hmm. Uh, The patio is going to be kicking. So enjoy yourself. That is Ale on Oak, two blocks off of the streetcar line, right there on Ale near Carrollton. That is a sponsor. Man, those are our best read for Ale ever. (laughs) I like it. First one to use baking soda. (laughs) Let's pause the podcast and go to Ale and have a few. Yes. Down. Or 50. Uh, this is mostly a Pelicans podcast. Sure. Kush, he's a member of the Pelicans media, the mm. corrupt group, the mm-hmm. Pelicans media. He's in the pocket of Big Pels. <laughs> uh, but we don't have any information this week. They've done nothing. 
The only thing that I can think of is I think a lot of the players have gathered in Nashville mm-hmm. uh, to kind of start future home of Polk and Kush <laughs> to start um, to to start doing uh, some voluntary workouts. Uh, and then the only other thing is I think JJ Reddick donated about one hundred thousand dollars to Second Harvest. Drew Holiday led an effort with I think Frank Jackson, Jill Okafor, some other former te- players. Uh, to raise some money for Hurricane Ida, I thought that was very nice. Drew, obviously, continuing to be Mr. Pelican, despite the fact he is not here anymore. And we haven't really heard anything from a charity perspective from really anybody else in the team right now, but I'm certain that they are doing something and they'll cook something up uh, while they're in Nashville to support the city. Well, it's nice that uh, all four players we mentioned doing hurricane relief are not currently on the team. Uh, I, JJ, I, Frank, Jaleel, Drew. Yeah. Doing great work. God bless them. Yeah. I have heard that they're trying to organize something that the Pelicans are. So we'll see what happens. I, I don't charity shit. The Pelicans but. unorganized? Come on. <laughs> but yeah, otherwise, other than that, I mean, not much going on. And, and this is a, a, a absurdly short offseason uh, for the Pelicans. The training camp opens, I want to say, in two weeks. Uh, some insane. I mean, the season starts in like a five weeks. I think it's I, crazy how fast uh, the off season is. Well, I was on StubHub today, just trying to see if there was anything to do in New Orleans. Yeah, and I saw October preseason tickets. There we go. Pelicans always play the Bulls. They're the only fucking team the Pelicans play <laughs> in the preseason. Every year they play the Pelicans three times. It's always. Loser night. I'm there. <laughs> Tickets are seven dollars. You get a free gun when you go in. I'll be there. My point is, there are no concerts coming up. I looked on StubHub. Not much, unless you want to see, you know, what remains of Better Than Ezra. That's yeah, about it. The Doobie Brothers. It's brother now. Yeah, just Doobie they're brother. Down to one guy. But yeah, no Pelicans for a while. Maybe there's some interesting stories coming out in the media about the Pelicans this uh, week. You never know. Keep your eyes peeled uh, to the local press. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some stuff going on soon. And now uh, speaking of local press. Yeah, let's get to what everybody's here for. NOLA breakdown. This city's a goddamn shithole. Do you have anything to say about the city currently? What is going on? How are we sitting here 18 days after the storm or whatever it is, and we're still having these problems? The city of Houston had like 90 inches of rain dump on it in Hurricane Harvey. And like 10 days later, they're like all going to work and making gazillions of dollars. And everyone's just like whistling along like they're Mickey Mouse and Fantasia. Like we are completely broken. It didn't even hit New Orleans. It hit Laplace in Homa. And here in the city, we can't do anything. There's nothing. The power was out for two weeks. And then on top of that, the cable was out forever. And now there's just nothing. There's a, you drive down streets, it's just trash piled up. And the stoplights don't work. And the mayor's going like, hey, what are y'all complaining about? I don't understand what anything's going on. Why do you care? What is happening? How is it this this? It was a very large storm with very serious implications for a lot of places that were not the city of New Orleans. Lower regions of Jefferson Parish got slammed. The parts of, of the river parishes and certainly that 
poor area of Laplace that has gotten hit over and over and over again. These areas really did get wrecked. And look, the last time there was a disaster like this where it took weeks to recover, we could all bury our heads in the sand and blame the federal government because the levees broke and that caused basically all of the problems, at least we thought so. And it was easy to say it. This is us, baby. This is who we are. You come in and you this house of fucking toothpicks that we have built here near the Mississippi River and Lake Pontchartrain, and they just, a little wind blow and a little flick of the thing, and everything is went to shit. The, the energy, apparently, the entire power grid was built on one tower sitting next to the river. One town. It was on a hill, <laughs> leaning towards the river. <laughs> We're sitting here worried about terrorists. One guy could just walk over there with a, a balloon and knock out the entire city with the power of the region. It was one tower. If Zion dunked on that tower, <laughs> it would have fallen into the river. The fragility of this entire system and the complete lack of give a shit from anyone in power to care for as long as it's not as long as a crisis is not occurring on the day they're talking about no one did anything no one cared all these politicians just kind of hummed and hawed like well we got a million other problems so we're not going to worry about these very glaring possibilities that could be occurring uh and so here we are here we are we're Everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong for the last basically two and a half weeks. And it doesn't seem like we're coming out of it. No, two and a half weeks plus uh, 18 months could <laughs> also be added onto that. And currently, I know as of Monday, Energy was saying 100,000 people in Louisiana are still without power. God. You know, uh, I don't even know about Grand Isle. They lost uh, contact. Like, yeah. Grand Isle fucked. Yeah. Uh, you didn't have internet until yesterday. Really today. Functioning internet. The storm was on August 29th. 16 days, 17 days. 17 days. 18 days. It doesn't matter how many days. What matters is that LaToya is on her Instagram doing the Dougie with Muppets, <laughs> saying that everything's going to be all right. LaToya is going to uh, give us some of that folksy charm, even though she's from fucking Los Angeles. She's going to say, hey, that's just the Rue down here in New Orleans. We don't need the, we don't need the internet. For, this is a Cajun accent, yeah, by the way. Uh, we don't need the farmer internet. Friend. Uh, uh, yeah, so it, basically if you own a business in the city, you can't get employees. You can't get internet. No internet. It was robbed during the storm. It was completely <laughs> looted. The fucking wig store down here, this poor motherfucker, Abdul's Wigs, he, his story was that he got looted three times. Oh, God. First off, that's not a good looting. No. If there's more to loot later. <laughs> Second off. Stop restocking. <laughs> it's 110 degrees. You're yeah. in Central City, New Orleans. Your baby's hungry. You don't have the internet. You can't go anywhere. The waters are rising. A crocodile killed a man in Slidell, and you're like, I'm going to get that $80 wig. <laughs> Abdul can suck my fucking... Oh, man. I, I, this is the priorities of the city. It's like vote in local elections, uh, you know, recycle, donate blood. People are like, no, I'm going to steal a wig. Yeah. I, I, there's nothing... 
Nothing. We should be stealing wigs. We Look should at have these stolen airlines. Wigs. I know. I know. We're the ones who need it. Drew Brees, Drew Brees took all of them. He got a, the spray paint out of the shed. I mean, Drew, Drew, Drew Brees looted that wig store far before anybody <laughs> got to it for this hurricane. Uh, but the, the biggest issue this week has been that here we sit 17 days, like we said, after this hurricane hit. There's always a little bit of grace period when a disaster strikes. We understand, sure. okay? But I'm going to read you a quote from 827. So that'd be two days before the hurricane, for those okay. who keep in score. Uh, Latoya Cantrell, on August 27th, the city is, quote, absolutely prepared for emergency trash service post-Ida. You will be able to get collections happening post-storm and that will not be dependent at all upon Metro. Admin on nine fifteen, <laughs> the bids for Metro service are still being vetted. They don't know what's going on. They're making promises that are empty. They're totally unaware of what's happening. Today, in the most ludicrous thing that's ever happened in this city, I'm just going to say it. She came out and congratulated herself for opening the garbage dump for you can... You can bring the trash that sat outside your house for two weeks. You can take that in your car, drive it to a dump, and throw it in the dump yourself. You pay currently on every single bill that you get from the city like $28 for them to pick up your trash. But uh, let me ask a question. That $28 you pay every month, that'll be refunded <laughs> for, the, uh, for the months that we're not receiving trash collection, correct? If you can sell the wigs back to the wig store for $28. New Orleans is now a wig-based economy. (laughs) If you have looted Oprah Wig, there's a store called Oprah Wig in Kenner. Uh, If you you are lousy with wigs, you can get the trash pickup. This is Scarface now. If you have the wigs, you have the power. Look, uh, this is... This is absurd for a few reasons. Most notably, the uh, the huge garbage pile in front of my house. Yeah. It's been out there for two weeks. Sure. Uh, it's been soaked with water <laughs> numerous times. It's hit by another hurricane. The rats are in it. The maggots are in it. There's probably a guy living in the trash can now and then taking dumps in there. I'm going to take that. <laughs> I'm going to put it in my 2007 Toyota Yaris hatchback. Putter on down. There's no gasoline, but there's still a gas. There's no gasoline. So I'm going to push. I'm going to push my fucking Yaris to Elysian Fields, fighting off uh, people trying to steal my car the entire time. time. I'm going to be swatting them away like flies. As you're going through literally a bed of nails on your way there. I walk there. I get there. And then they're like. Oh, uh, we don't uh, we don't take uh, tires here. It said that <laughs> it in said the that thing. It said no tires, no industrial. You're being picky about your garbage <laughs> at this hole. Where do you think that's gonna go? That's gonna be there forever until they pave over it and put a Wendy's there. <laughs> it was also only open from eleven to three, which I thought was perfect. <sighs> it was like not only can we get we we don't have enough employees to pick up the trash from your house. We only have enough employees to be open for four hours. <laughs> while you throw your own garbage away and we watch. <laughs> How do you think Nor- New Orleanians deal with lines? <laughs> do you think it's uh, orderly? 
I can't under the gas thing. We almost like just this hurricane hits, and there's not a single like fuel tanker waiting to just fill. You know, the entire city needs gasoline for for generators, for cars, for people now for lighting your house on fire, for insurance (laughs) fraud, everything. They're just like, ah, no. So instead, everyone's waiting in line for an hour and a half to two hours in the heat. To in order to get gas, every single possible foresight that would have been required for a Category 4 hurricane. Because, you know, we live here in a city that gets hurricanes. Mm-hmm. We are uh, next to the Gulf of Mexico. We have an entire, like, billion-dollar levy system. Because we should have we built the wall. Because <laughs> we know that we get hurricanes here. And yet, the man-made stuff that we can actually, like, you know, have prep for and whatever... We just had no idea what we were going to. Nobody thought about it for two seconds. It was like, oh, well, I, I don't know. What, what do you think we were supposed to do about it? It's like, well, nobody thought about what to do about picking up the trash. You guys weren't picking up the trash before the hurricane. You weren't. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and then they were like shocked they couldn't get anybody to work. It's like, well, you need to pay people more to get them to work. Like, well, we're not going to do that. No, we'll just so. not pick up the trash. And they're not going to tear up the contract. They're not going to do anything about it. So instead, we're going to invite you to throw away your own trash. Congratulations. But it's free. So A for plus. For now. The vernacular <laughs> in that post was like, it's free for now. Later, we'll. Because I guess that is uh, like normally a recycling center. Yeah. So it is, I suppose, open. Like, do you have to pay to recycle? I Like, how many scams is the city of going? <laughs> They also, uh, if on your way to that garbage dump today, if you happen to need to go to Walgreens, there was a full alligator in the parking lot. Right, really? <laughs> yes, there was a full-on, like, uh, like on the bayou level, huge alligator just chilling, like, in the marsh that is the parking lot. But this is the alligator that killed the guy, right? <laughs> I mean, it had to be, He's right? trying to get away. <laughs> I've never been more surprised by a story than when they said they found that alligator. And there were human remains in it. Yeah. Here's the picture of the alligator. Ed is on Elysian Fields. Wow. Walgreens. I mean, that is unbelievable, man. I mean, we're living... This city, let's be honest. <laughs> this city is not going to be here much longer. We're Vikings on a burning ship oh right now. Oh, my God. What is going on? What is going on? This is going to be, look, New Orleans had a good run. 300, 400 years, pirates, booze, tits, <laughs> the whole thing. It's 2021 right now. 2025, this is going to be Shreveport 2. Yeah, that's where we're headed. This is going to be the Australia of America. This is where you send your criminals. <laughs> this is where all the dangerous uh, bugs and creatures. We're almost there. <laughs> We're the last ones to realize that, then, that this has been the experiment for years now. This <laughs> is it. And then upstanding citizens like ourselves, we're going to move to the next utopia of Louisiana, Alexandria. That's true. <laughs> Alexandra annexation uh, 2025. We can all work at uh, LC, the weird <laughs> Christian college. The only thing I know about Alexandria is every time I drive through, there's a fucking Pier 1 store. There is. The last remaining like Pier the 1. Last, like the last How blockbuster. How much do you need a wicker basket, <laughs> Alexandria? 
uh yeah man it really uh it's been a bleak couple of weeks and there was part of me during this that i i felt a lot of resolve of being like man like this you know when you go through hard times the adversity sort of brings us together and believe me like at that saints game and walking around my neighborhood and seeing people all happy and there is such a sense of community here that you do not get in a lot of places but Jesus, they make it hard to be here sometimes. It and, is. And it is, uh, it's unnecessary. And it, it, th- there's just, it's hard to find the silver lining in situations like this. Because when you combine it with COVID, all of the things that are so fun about this place have been gone from our lives for so long now. We, I can't remember what Jazz Fest is like. I can't even remember what Mardi Gras is like. Like it's been so long since we had a big festival. Yeah, I can't remember big... drunk driving. Yeah. I can't remember <laughs> running away from the cops by turning my lights off. <laughs> like all of these things that we love have been taken away from us, and then all of the bullshit has been thrown at us at three times the speed and with double the intensity, and it really is becoming like this test. Uh, on a daily basis that is really challenging. And this trash thing, honest to God, is the thing that might just break me. Yeah. I think it's going to break me because this is such an obvious failure. Like it's in your, it's literally in your face, in your nose, in your mouth. It is, it is, uh, uh, annihilating the senses and it's directly there and it's such a, a symbol of incompetence and it's a symbol of inept leadership and you are staring at it every second you are outside of your own home you're not only staring at it you are uh, breathing it in yeah. quite literally i work in the heart of the french quarter and going to work is i'm wearing a mask going to work i look like one of those goobers wearing a mask outside <laughs> like no i'm not in the car alone yeah <laughs> There's a very real purpose for it. And, you know, I, I don't I'm not going to profess to know how any of this shit actually works. But I do know energy seemed to be able to get back on their feet somewhat quickly, yeah. energy quickly, because every truck on the interstate was from Indiana, yeah. New Jersey, Pennsylvania. And they lost everything. Energy lost their entire power source. You can't the transmission tower. You can't get Eugene and Toad Fart Arkansas to come down here. He's got a big truck. And pick Fill up. it up with shit and take it to the new shit center on Elysian Fields. Wouldn't you love to live next to that right now? Just an angry line of people, their car filled with diarrhea, just waiting to dump it off. <laughs> It's just the most like the, you can't have crystallized an image of what failure looks like in leadership than this. And the entire time it's she's blaming outside sources, outside problems of uh, the labor shortage and extra waste. Like we all knew this was going to happen. Yeah. We all like we they could not pick up the trash for months in advance on schedule. They had already screwed this up. This is not a failure of a, a, a event attacking you. This is now two and a half weeks later. You have done this wrong. Every other city in the goddamn world is picking up the trash. You can do this. You just have to commit resources and people who give a shit and people who have any level of expertise of how to ex- executively function, how to do it. And you know what? If you can't do it, then apologize to people. Take accountability. Fire someone. This is someone's fault. And instead, it's just constantly pushing back on the citizens and saying you're spoiled and entitled and inept. And it's like, 
No, that's your problem. We, we all pay the bill. You have to do the job. You've contracted this out to somebody, and if they can't get the job done, then you have to do something about it and not wait three weeks before finally deciding to change something. It's, it's so obvious, and that's what makes it so much more difficult to take. Look, when levies fail, I don't know how a levy works. I know how trash works. Like, I don't, I don't understand how energy works. I understand how a three guys in a garbage truck can go by the house and throw it in the back of the goddamn truck. It's not that complicated. It just requires dedicating resources to it, and they just have refused to do it. It's insane. It makes me so goddamn mad, and no one will change anything about it. And, the next, and, and in November, she's going to win re-election. You just have to have patience. <laughs> and jambalaya. That's all they say. <laughs> Every time she says patience, uh, an angel loses its wings. <laughs> its wings become unseasoned. I, I'm just out. I, there are other problems that are bigger than the trash. It's just the one that is the most... It's the most frustrating, I find. Crime is a complicated problem, you know? Like, it really is. Yeah. Education's a complicated problem. There's uh, mental health uh, yeah. structures get thrown into that. There's, Education. Yeah. Parenting. There, there's socioeconomics, and there's the general content. There's so many layered, complicated... Picking up the trash is the most simple... Throw it in yeah. the truck. <laughs> it's like, if you can't do that, what can you do? If you don't understand that three weeks after hurricane, when everyone had, when the power was out for two weeks, everyone had to clear out their fridge. Everyone has to, you know, scrape up shit all over their house and their lawn and whatever. Pour baking soda all over their couches. If you don't understand <laughs> that it's going to require some extra resources, then what are you doing? Like, what are the, what are you having meetings about? What is any like? It, there's ten year olds who can tell you how to do this. Spend more money. Just do it. God damn it. <laughs> sorry. Scott Kushner for me. I'm sorry. I'm, re- I'm completely red-faced and just yelling into a microphone. I'm sorry. This is the same as every other episode, Scott. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. <laughs> Be right back to wrap it up with some sunshine. Scott Kushner, mayor of New Orleans, 20 forever. We'll be right back. Overrated. Overrated. Underrated. Underrated. Underrated, overrated, you know it, you love it. Email them in if you want us to judge something or just, you know what you love? You love our opinions. So email <laughs> us and say, I need more. What, do you think Do you think Wendy's is overrated or underrated? This is top-notch <laughs> content. Uh, we've been, you know, really beating the dog on this episode. Yeah. What if we just do... An underrated or two. I think that's good. All right. You want me to start? Please. <laughs> I'm going to go first. My first underrated will be uh, the DVD player. In a world of connectivity, sometimes, for reasons you can't understand, you have to go 17 days without internet. <laughs> and you don't really get any answers. So what do you do? You dig up that old DVD set. Ooh. It was in a box. The box, miraculously, that made the last move. And you pull out that DVD player, and you find some old Scrubs DVDs, 
and you watch Scrubs season two. Oh, this is for you. This was for me. I watched Scrubs season two for the last like six nights. It was great. Don't you love the DVD <laughs> menu? Oh, yeah. I couldn't believe I found the DVD remote. I, it was like, it really was like a Christmas miracle. The DVD menu should be an option on Netflix. You should be able to just watch. You know how many women I took to town in the Polk household while the Anchorman menu was just on repeat? Circa 2005, 2006. Garden State menu just on loop. I saw those menus more than I ever saw the movie. <laughs> the I remember the original Family Guy menu. We had like season one of Family Guy <laughs> that my roommate would fall asleep to every single night, and the it would just play clips once it like you know all the all the episodes in the disc would play, and then they would just play clips, and it would never turn itself off, <laughs> and so it'd just be three in the morning, and all I'm ha- hearing is this house is freaking sweet. I was like, I'm gonna throw a brick through this goddamn television <laughs> because of these menus. So uh, yeah, man, but it was weird. Like you know, they had like a weird animation thing, and then I was like, oh, you can hit play all or do behind the scenes. I just hit the play all function. But Scrubs was great. The DVD required no connectivity. None. It lives in a world of its own. Can't be censored by the liberal media. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) They can't edit out the... JD was in blackface at one point. Sure. (laughs) This is living on the disc. It's going to live on in standard definition (laughs) history. It really was. That is the part that sucked, is that it was like the tube version because it's from like 2002. I didn't realize Scrubs was that old. Maybe I'm just I'm just very old. Yeah. Uh, well, but it now was th- funny. Now they have Blu-rays. You can do that. Yeah. It was funny. And it was good to have something. And I had a whole bunch of movies that also sucked. Uh, I didn't put those in. One of them was definitely Anchorman. But yeah, we made it through. So uh, thank you to the DVD, the DVD player. My wife bought it because it was before Friends was streaming. The only, oh, play- yeah. the only way she could watch old Friends episodes was uh, via her like a thousand discs of DVDs. So she bought this thing for like 18 bucks. And it's coming handy because the internet in the city is unreliable and particularly now. Well, now the DVD is making more and more sense because like you got Peacock and Peacock is the NBC one. It has specific plans revolving around the office. Oh, People yeah, only yeah. want to see the office. Yeah. If you have the office on DVD... You don't need it. You just watch it. Yeah. I understand there's a little, you know, there's some ease, but that's for a good city. That's for a city that has the internet. (laughs) It's for one that lives in 2021. We are based sometime in 1988. (laughs) You're living in a trailer in Harahan. You have a PlayStation 2 hooked up to your TV. You can pop in a Scrubs DVD. You're off the grid. You're building weapons. And you can see whatever the janitor has to say on Scrubs. He was the funny one. If you live in Dallas and you get in your DeLorean and go 88 (laughs) miles an hour, you end up here now. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so uh, underrated, definitely, I would say, the DVD and the DVD player. Thank you, uh, whoever kept that technology going around. Uh, In-laws are underrated. When you get married... You're just getting a second set of parents. It's pretty, you know, mediocre experience. Dealing with your own parents is pretty challenging as, 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 on itself when you're in your late 20s, early 30s. 
Once you have children, though, you've gotten an extra set of people who care about your children. It is uh, a total game changer when it comes to in-laws. So grandparents, I actually would say, would be underrated. It's kind of incredible the shift that occurs. If you were to graph how much how important your in-laws are in your life from the day before you have kids to the day after you have kids, it is a total sea change of their approval rating and their importance in your life. So uh, I say this mostly because I went to Houston this week. My in-laws were unbelievably phenomenal uh, of letting me stay with them, being around them, helping me, caring about my children. If I was at some motel by myself with another set of random people, they wouldn't have given a shit. Or if I was with even my own friends who I love, they wouldn't have cared about my kids. Instead, the people who I needed to be with the most were my parents and my in-laws, and they were both there. And it's like, if you would have told me that eight years ago, that that's who you're going to spend two weeks with is your parents and your in-laws, I would have thought that was not the best time of my life. Instead, it was like the exact people I needed. And that is just a crazy thing that you would never, ever think about until that. So I would call that underrated. I think a lot of people would think that family is the most important thing. <laughs> but they're not. In-laws aren't technically, you know, they're not blood relatives. You marry into that. They're family. Well, they become family. They've become your family. Yes. You didn't choose your in-laws, though. You chose your wife. Yeah. So you just get, you know, it's a nice perk. Yeah. Free babysitting. <laughs> anyone who gives a crap about your kids is very nice. They'll to take you to Piccadilly. <laughs> They'll get your kids a DVD at Dollar Tree. <laughs> they'll get they'll get them a Paw Patrol DVD at Dollar they'll, Tree. They'll take it. It's good. Yeah, that's great. People complain about their in-laws a lot. I'm not one of those people. Me neither. Underrated. Have you ever had to deal with a a significant other's family a lot? Oh, Jesus, God, have I? <laughs> Before you have kids, man, it's a handful. Yeah, I, uh, my girlfriend in California had a big family, and we hung out with them a lot, and uh, I was immediately deemed the entertainment. Oh, boy. So every Thanksgiving and Christmas, you know, I'd be soft-shoeing in the corner. <laughs> Singing Cotton Eye Joe. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, wow, he is from Louisiana. <laughs> Teaching the boot scoot boogie. Oh, yeah. It was oh, brutal. Oh, God. No. And, you know, I didn't know kids, nothing like that. So sure. I didn't get the perks of kid relieval. I just got the uh, the downside of probing into my life and not liking <laughs> me. And wondering why. Did you get the third degree of why you weren't engaged yet? N- I didn't get that. I never... the. I never had that problem, but the people who I know who have, that sounds like an actual, like, that's the rudest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I don't. If your mother, like, the the mother of the girl you're dating is like, why haven't you gotten the ring yet? It's like, what kind of, this is not your, like, that's not your place. The only time I've gotten that was in college, and the girl's mother, you ever seen uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape? <laughs> yes. Yeah, she looked just like Arnie. No, she looked like the mom. <laughs> So, you know, you take what she says with a grain of salt. Uh-huh. I, I was like, you just want somebody to donate a kidney to you. Yeah. That's what you want me and the family for. Yes. But no, that's a great one. I'm I'm loving the positivity. Positivity. In-laws, underrated, uh, come especially in crisis situations. So that'll take us in 
to my favorite part of every single week on this year's program, ladies and gentlemen. The worst. The worst. The worst is the worst thing I saw or read this week. This has been an episode of worst. So we're going to take it outside of the parish. We're going to take it outside of the state. We're going to take it outside of the country. This comes from India.com. Uh-oh. Gujarat man. I'm probably not saying that right. Man seals. <laughs> man seals private parts using adhesive instead of condom during intercourse, comma, dies. Oh. While getting intimate... The couple decided to use an adhesive to seal off Salman's private parts during the intercourse to avoid pregnancy, as they didn't have any condoms. The stock photo for this is funny. It's just a nice, cool photo super glue. We'll read that again. I'll read the story. In a shocking incident, a 25-year-old man in Gujarat's Ahmedabad died after using an adhesive to seal his private parts instead of using a condom during intercourse with his girlfriend. The incident happened on June 22nd when Salman Mirza, a resident of... Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Consonantville. (laughs) Checked into a hotel with his former fiancée and another woman. Ooh. Notably, the duo were drug addicts. (laughs) (laughs) What do you know? Upon reaching the hotel, the couple first consumed drugs and then decided to engage in sexual activity. While getting intimate, the couple decided to use an adhesive seal to seal off Salman's private parts during intercourse to avoid pregnancy as they didn't have a condom. He was found unconscious the next day in the shrubs by a person known to him who brought him home? I think there's some translation issues here. After his condition deteriorated, he was rushed to a civil hospital where he succumbed to his condition. His condition having glued his penis closed. <laughs> his condition being dead. <laughs> you are stricken with death. <laughs> They were carrying the adhesive as they occasionally used it with whitener to inhale for a kick. Oh, that sounds awesome. They were I'm huffing glue? I guess so. You know, I I don't really think of India as like a drug addict place. No. But glue sniffing, paint sniffing, that fits the Def- bill. Whippets. This is, yeah. I'm getting the full picture here. The adhesive damaged Salman's organs and he died due to multiple organ failure. Accidental death has death has been registered after Steve Bennett, Solomon's relative, <laughs> lodged a complaint with the police. <laughs> the district of Zone Seven, John Corn, told TOL. Uh, dude, so these people huff some glue. Have some glue. Decided to have sex, and then halfway through the sex, we're like, oh, well, I don't want to get pregnant, so I'm going to glue my pee hole shut? Yeah, that's the scientific term for it. (laughs) How far down the list does that have to, like, of options? I mean... Stop having sex, pull out, glue my dick shut. Gluing the dick shut... It's at least third. Yeah. (laughs) Out of those... You have some other options. You can do the Howie Mandel. You can blow the glove up, put it over your dick. Um, a Walmart bag. 
Look, this is India. In the butt. I don't know. Like, literally anything. This is India. There's got to be something around. What on earth? That is Banana an insane. Peel. Yeah. <laughs> I am trying to think if there's anything I, that is a worse idea. It's like, oh, maybe I could slice my penis off. That would be worse, I suppose. Have you ever had to make do with a contraceptive? I'm not in position to talk about that. But I certainly have never in a million gajillion years ever thought, you know what would be a good idea to use right now? The super glue in the shed. Because I don't want to have another child. Yeah. What the... F- that can't, it just like doesn't even sound like it's real. It's like this guy got murdered and they just came up with a, an unbelievable reason for his death. That well, sounds like it came from freaking Putin or something. But yeah, the journalist, he glued his penis shut. Well, I'm glad they <laughs> I wouldn't didn't worry about him. <laughs> I'm glad they tr- didn't try and glue her shut. That would have been much worse. I suppose. I mean, it's not going to be worse than death. <laughs> That's true. They didn't got to glue both of them shut. Look, this is why you need sex education in school, <laughs> everybody. I guess even with sex education, there's not going to be a chapter that's, hey, don't glue your pee hole shut. But <laughs> this is insane. I mean, did I they, still don't understand how it killed them, though. Did they put it to the test? Yeah. Was it glued? Was it glued? I guess. He reached Christian Pinnacle and, and then backed it, up. And then he, you know, he blew his eardrums out, or whatever would happen. <laughs> it's like a cartoon character. Yes, yeah, the smoke just came out of, out of his ears. <laughs> his eyeballs popped out like in Roger Rabbit. I still don't understand how that killed him, unless he couldn't. Like it made him take days. Like couldn't pee. All right. Is this going to start our <laughs> career into investigative journalism? Watch out, Ramon. We're going to India. <laughs> We're going frontline investigation on the glued peel. Dude, what an episode. What an episode. If you made it through that one, you're one of the smart ones. Thank you so much for listening. We have a lot of fun. We took a couple weeks off because Lord knows we all did. If you liked what you heard, uh, like, subscribe, rate. You can ask Alexa. You can ask Siri. They will find us. Uh, tell a friend. Just a little word of mouth honestly goes a long way. Uh, we've got T-shirts that we will be selling in the next couple weeks. We're going to try and have an actual Honest to God live show once uh, crazy catastrophes stop happening. If you would like to get a T-shirt, go ahead and email us a size and reserve it. I'll post some pics on the Twitter tomorrow of it. It's a good-looking tee. You are a good-looking crowd. That is good-looking Scott Kushner. I am good-looking Andrew Polk. Thank you to our sponsors, Ale on Oak, as well as Jansen Patagna over at French Quarter Realty. Follow us on Twitter at Polk and Cush and send us an email, polkandcush at gmail.com. Thank you so much, and we will see you next week. See ya!